My guest today is Alicia Butler, a mental empowerment coach and founder and creator of The Daily Compass. She's a best-selling author, and I'm going to let Alicia tell you more about herself because I think she's going to be a better storyteller than I am. And then I also want to ask you about your book and things that you're writing. So first, introduce yourself, and then I'll try not to pepper you with too many questions. My husband says I'm a really obsessive interrogator. Oh, no worries. I'm just so grateful to be here. And thank you for reaching out and doing this and being part of spreading the mental health need and for these teens. So like Marilee said, I've been an educator for 14 years. So I started teaching in 2008. I've taught English and then I took a break when, well, actually I took a break a couple of times. And one of the times was when my son was seven years old and we knew he was struggling. We just didn't know it was really that bad. We didn't quite know what was going on, but he would always say, you know, it'd be better if I wasn't here. Life would be better without me. He'd run away. Like, I mean, this is seven years old and we didn't know what was going on. They wanted to diagnose him with a mood disorder. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that, but we are going to get some help. So we got some psychological help with a therapist. And also what changed our life, saved that boy's life, saved our marriage was us reading Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages of Children. Then we started implementing that into his life. So really, I think that was my first thing with mental health and going, okay, I have a kid who's struggling. How can I help him? And I think so many times parents get to that point where they're like, I don't know what to do. So they don't do anything And then that gap kind of widens and then it gets further and further. Like, how do do we help? I don't see any way we can fix this. My advice with that would be that it's the simple things every single day. It's not one great big action. It's the little daily things that you can do that change someone's life. So I guess that's what started with that. Can you tell me when you say it's the simple things you do every day? Can you give me mm-hmm. some examples of some of those simple things you did with him every day? Yeah, his love language is physical touch. My husband and I, we would make sure we tucked him in every single night and tickled his back. We would tickle his back every single night for the last 10 years. It's those acts of love that are consistent instead of kids, you know, going up and down with am I cared for? Are my needs being met? It's those consistencies that let the kid or whoever it is know that they're loved and supported. Also, words of affirmation is another one. So more positive than negative. And I know sometimes as a parent, it's so hard. You know, sometimes we just want to yell at them. But when I find that I want to yell at them, then I know that I haven't been filling their cup or my cup of needing to feel loved. I'm speechless. That's such a beautiful (laughs) story. I was just talking to a close friend of mine who's really struggling with her son, who's a teenager. And so many people I know are struggling with their mental health. My friend's kid had a bigger problem during the pandemic. And mental health people were impossible to come by. And she needed to use her insurance and nobody took it. The crisis just builds and builds. Even though it must have been incredibly painful for you, 
when it's a seven-year-old, it afforded right. you the opportunity to step in and make great changes and not be afraid of that. It's scary when a seven-year-old says things like that. I can't mm-hmm. imagine how painful that must have felt to you. Well, I didn't know what to do. And when we did get the help, and I didn't even mention this part, is when he finally grabbed a knife mm-hmm. from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, right. we need help. Right. My mom was a counselor as well. So I just, you know, I handled it calmly. I think lots of times we need to make sure we handle it calmly without the emotions and then get the help outside that we need. And I'm so sorry with your with your friend and her son. I wish I could say that's an uncommon story that I'm hearing, but it's not. These kids and these families, especially after going mm-hmm. through the pandemic mm-hmm. and the separation and the isolation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the uncertainties mm-hmm. of life are going, I don't know what to do, trying to figure out who they are mm-hmm. with everything. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do right now and why I'm actually stepping away from the classroom at the end of the year, I only have a week and a half left in the classroom. And then I am going to be full-time doing the mental health and helping teens and families get the help and create the tools that they're going to need to be able to figure things out and become heroes together. Elysia, that is so needed. I would call you one of our heroes. I just <laughs> listened to another podcast on NPR and I got this terrible statistic, which the crisis didn't start with the pandemic. The pandemic just made everything worse. And in 2019, the CDC reported that one in six young people reported creating a suicide plan. That to me seems incredibly high. And I felt this anxiety inside of me when I heard that. And the statistic I already knew, but I wrote it down again, that since 2009, we've seen a 44 percent increase in suicide ideation and suicide itself. And that was before the pandemic. And now mental health issues have exploded and there really isn't even availability with mental health professionals. And when you find availability, a lot of times it's three fifty an hour. Even a very successful middle class person with insurance who's trying to do the right thing and get insurance, that's after insurance. And it's Mm -hmm. unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And that's kind of what I want to do is to be able to make some of these mental health tools and tips available that kids and parents can work on these. With my book, that's like a very basic, simple step. But I also have programs available because underneath everything, we've got to go back to the basics of what kids need. And we definitely need social, emotional, physical, and I believe in a, some type of spiritual connection, whether you, you know, there's some who agree, some who don't, and that's okay. But I think there's, there's a quadrant of getting the the basic needs met. A hundred percent. You and I are absolutely on the same page. Do you want to talk a little bit about your book? Yes. Let's hear It looks amazing. Yes. Well, and I have one sitting right here. So it just came out a month ago and it is called Become the Hero of Your Own Story, 52 Tips to Teach Today's Teens. And as I've been in the classroom with kids for the last 14 years, I see these teenagers, I see them struggling. I see the things that they're insecure about. I've taken Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey And there's 17 stages in it, 
But most people, they don't want to go through all the 17 stages. And we can we can see that. So I broke it down into three different stages with it. You've got the separation or the call to adventure. You've got kind of the trials and tribulations. That's when people are in that dark cave, not sure what monsters are coming, what foes are going to attack. And then we have that return back to home. And this is when the hero or the person comes home with new knowledge. They've gained wisdom and insight after overcoming those challenges, those fears, those trials. Even though we're not fighting real life monsters, the trials that we face today are just as challenging as if we are fighting a physical monster. And relating back to what you said with like an illness, like if you have a cut, people can see that. Okay. They can see that. They know that you are, you know, maybe struggling or a broken bone, whatever, and they want to be able to help it. But the monsters and the foes, those negative thoughts, emotions, self-harm, self-hatred are things that people can't see. And so sometimes that's what I'm getting at in the core of this book is a lot of those self-beliefs and turning those into ways that they can rise above and become their own heroes. You know, it just makes me sick that it's so hard to tell our legislators and the insurance companies that the brain is a part of the body. I mean, really? How hard is that? Mm-hmm. What part of organ are are we having trouble with? There's a kidney, right? there's a heart, there's a brain. The brain is a physical yeah. organ. I want to ask you your thoughts on that moving forward when you go into your mental health capacity. Are you going to take insurance? Tell me what your thoughts are as you're moving forward and your plans. Well, I guess I have a couple different ways that I'm going to go. The eight-week program that I have available, I called it Course Hero Number One. It will take kids through how to set SMART goals, how to have positive connections, find their creativity, connection to higher purpose, and courage in their mental and physical health. So that I've set really low, like it's honestly only 222 bucks for an eight-week course that the parents and the kids can watch together. It has a workbook with that. So this self-study, I really want to keep at a low, affordable price. That's really, and, and I've set it into payment options as well. So I feel like anybody would be able to go through that. I will have some Zoom coaching. I will have one-on-one coaching. I'm planning on getting my doctorate in the next year of starting that. I want to have my own practice. And then things in life have just led me more and more towards this, that yes, this is your calling. This is what you need to do. You know, once I have that practice, of course, have insurance availability. But as I'm starting, I'm going to end up doing some different options. If people want to donate or sponsor a child and say, I think this child would really benefit from this or scholarship, since that's kind of my teacher language. Those are kind of my thoughts on that. You know, you and I are 100% on the same page. I'm so grateful you're getting your doctorate. I want to thank you. I mean, on behalf of, you know, all of America, because there's just not enough mental health professionals. It's a disgrace. I mean, it's it's a tragedy. And we're going to see a compounding tragedy after the pandemic. I also appreciate your price point, because if a therapist is between 150 to $350 cash an hour for certain mm-hmm. people that have to 
you know, go outside insurance, you know, you do the math on six or seven of those. And people just can't afford that. Look at what's Mm -hmm. going on with inflation. So every time I talk to doctors and insurance companies myself, because doing my research for my nonprofit, they all say the same thing. Well, you know, I try to work with the insurance company, but blah, 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 blah. And I empathize with the doctors, too. But it's Mm -hmm. wrong, right? It's just wrong. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not my area of expertise. Right. And that's why there's champions like you going out and going, okay, here's the problem. I see the gap in the system. I'm going to help fix it. Like, you really are going to be part of the solution to all of this. Yeah. And some of it will involve legal avenues. And again, I am not going to be able to go to law school, but I'm going to find a lawyer And we're going to go out there and we're going to sue insurance companies. We're going to get our lobbyists. We're going to figure Mm -hmm. out. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is on the state level. Fortunately, we're in California, which I feel for myself. I'm a native of California. I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived in Europe. I have seen how different laws and different legislative actions have helped or hurt people. The mental health of our children needs to be a collective priority. And I know you agree with me. And I actually consider you one of our heroes. Thank you. What is it going to be like for you leaving the classroom? Oh, I, do you know what? I'm taking my own hero's journey right now. Really, Let's you hear. know, you have a career and then you're starting again. It's a big leap of faith. And like, I've got behind me, like how I'm just like showing, like, I'm going to miss these little handwritten notes of full handwritten pages of a child. Like, and this one is this girl, I've only had her for a semester. She switched over and she's just like, I don't know where to begin with this. How grateful the impact you've had on my life. I thought it'd be a regular English class, but it's not. It's special. It's unique. It's life-changing and inspiring. And I'm like, these kids are why I do what I do. And I just want to be able to reach them on more than the red tape that is in the classroom of teachers and to help them with their mental health, you know, to help them on their path, on their unique journey, whatever it is. That's my mission is to help these kids know that they are capable of more. Like when we were kids, if someone had something to say, it literally would be a handwritten note, right? Or passed around the school Like if someone hates you and then other people sign it, but now someone says something online and instantly 500 to a thousand people know about something about you before chances are that you even know. I mean, when I was in high school, it's a good thing I didn't know that kids were having fun because I wasn't having any fun and I didn't have to go on Instagram and find out how perfect everyone else's lives are. And I know even as an adult, when I'm not feeling great and I look on social media and I see the Mm -hmm. happy people it affects me. How, how could it not affect a teenager? I have the wisdom of my years to mm-hmm. process that. It's unbelievable what these kids have to deal with. Yeah, And it's definitely yeah. had to have had an effect on the mental health as well as the isolation factor. They spend so much less time face to face. It's direct yeah. correlation. Yeah. Like, so the increase in mental health has risen just like the use of 
the different social media platforms. And we know social media is not going away. So Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. one of the things in my book is find purpose for why you're on social media. Go on there with intention and set a time limit. And instead of going on when you are in those negative headspaces, and we all have those negative thoughts, right? And those comparisons with it, it's okay to have that, but don't dwell on it. Because we know Instagram is a real of highlights, right? But that's why it's so great that what we're doing is we're bringing the awareness and saying, hey, look, there are needs. Here's the real, real talk. There's help available and people willing to kind of dive into the, the dark with you and help you get out of it. And also for the parents, they have to be able to find someone to call and say, what do I do without giving you $60,000 of my hard-earned money I don't have to send my Mm -hmm. kid to A, B, C, and D, you know, Utah, wilderness, slash whatever, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the therapist who asked for $500 an hour just to be able to call someone. I mean, that is going to be part, as I move forward with my nonprofit, part of the plan. I just want somebody to have a number to call to actually receive actual help. I'll just give them your number. That will... (laughs) That, that would be would well be taken great, care of. Right. Right? Like and yeah. I have many calls with yeah. with parents, yeah. with teens yeah. over the years before yeah. I really knew I just have a big heart. I've been through some things recently. And so I, I just want to help people because I've been there. I've been in the dark. I've been in the not knowing what to do. And digging yourself out and finding those those mentors is what you have to do. You can't do it on your own. We have to keep hope alive for kids. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. They can't give up on life. I, I, yeah. I worry so much too that this is also a social contagion when one child mm-hmm. makes a terrible decision with Instagram and social media and Snapchat and the, the world we live in, mm-hmm. it's scary. Yes. I, I'm not a mental health professional and it's very important that I make that clear. I, my major was philosophy. And I'm a writer, so I really don't have the education to make pronouncements. I need to talk to people like you. And well, and that yeah, you're it's really right important. Though. I don't say a lot, and as though I'm some sort of expert. But that is one of the statistics with it that you are at higher risk if someone that you love, a family member, a friend, mm-hmm. has been well with anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide ideation, or if they've taken their life. I lost my sister-in-law six years ago. We knew that she had depression, anxiety. She had lupus. She was working with a doctor actually getting treatment. It wasn't diagnosed, but we're quite certain she had bipolar. She had some childhood trauma, no doubt. And again, we knew she was struggling And sometimes, even if you have the background with stuff, you're too close to the situation sometimes. After we lost my sister-in-law, I mean, life was shattered. Shattered. Like it was. Shattered. Yes, shattered. And really, it's taken me, I would say it took me about five years to really go, okay, I think I'm okay. But what I did is I took what I learned through my trials And then I gave back. And that's when I started doing Hope Squad and suicide prevention, suicide awareness, mental health, and talking to kids in the classroom. And like, because I've been doing Romeo and Juliet in ninth grade, and Mm. we have two teenagers who take Mm. their lives. Mm. And Mm. 
my six years previous, I'd never even mentioned the word suicide because I was under the impression that it was, I believed that myth that if we talk about it, someone's going to take their life. I have that fear too. And it's not true true. with that. Mm -hmm. It's not true with that. But what's important to know is that they've got to get the help if they are thinking about it, or if they are in the category that they have lost a loved one, there's different protective factors and there's different risk factors that determine kind of the variations of the mental health scale and severity with that. And so it's been for the last six years helping the teens, because I figure if we can help them when they're younger, as adults, they're going to have those tools to be able to navigate those other challenges they're going to face. We know there's always going to be challenges with that. I know I've saved kids' lives. I have other notes, other texts with it. A kid who was in my ninth grade English class, let's see, he's a, he's a senior this year. He had his addictions with pornography. He ended up creating a nonprofit where he helps parents go in and monitor and create tech tools to to keep their family safe. But he has also started a nonprofit called Live Life Bigger. And we're doing a suicide prevention concert. This kid is, he's not even graduated yet. He's 18 years old. And so he's turned the worst things of his life. And when he was in eighth grade, he wanted to take his life thinking I've made a mistake. I've messed up. Mom and dad are never going to forgive me. I'm going to hell. I might as well get there faster. And those are the thoughts going through these kids' minds. Like they don't see mistakes or a teacher. Right. And that's one of the things like that. I'm just open with these students, with these kids, mm-hmm. like, Hey, guess what? I mess up every day. That's it's called right. failing forward. That's right. We learn, right. we get back up and we do better next time. Well, yeah. And if we don't, then we're going to have that same lesson come over and over again until we learn to become that hero. Right. We come with right. that new knowledge and then we go, okay, next time this situation comes up, I'm going to do better or after going through hard things, they're going to be able to help someone else through it. Mm -hmm. There's always a better day ahead. Always, 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 always. You save one child's life, you save the entire world. That's what I truly believe. So you've saved the world and I'm sure you're going to do it many, many times over. That life matters. That's right. One child. It matters. That one child, because with with suicide, it's a ripple. Oh, oh, It never just impacts. No. That one, it's a ripple for the rest of the families and friends. And And down through generations, even those that aren't born yet. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing I want to say before we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. What about the defiant teen who... Um, and my son's high school has all these wellness coaches, and they've they've really been trying, and they're quite an amazing school in terms of that. It, he goes to a public school, but there are some children who you can't get through to. They're not going to go see the wellness counselor. They're not going to get on your thing and do the checklist with mom and dad. They're like, that's mm-hmm. dumb. That's dumb. I'm not doing that. What about those defiant teens? I'd like to know how we're going to get through to them, like the ones that won't get the help, won't reach out. We can do our best. We can offer as many tools as possible. But until someone realizes that they need the help, that they make that choice to decide, mm-hmm. you know, we can't force someone to mm. to get healthy. Like if we look at it, like at the gym, I can't force you to work out, but I can invite you in. 
Mm. I can keep on inviting you. I can be that example. I can do the work myself. And then that's going to reflect outward. There are going to be teens who are defiant. There's no doubt about that. It's always been that way. And I wish we could save every single one. I wish we could. But the reality is, is that right now, it's a whole community thing. It's not just one person who does it all. That's why they always say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And it does. You know, that's why my kids, I like to have my kids involved in sports because I know they're going to listen to someone, even though mom knows all this stuff, right? And we talk about it. If they hear someone else say the exact same thing, then they're going to go, oh, okay. I Mm -hmm. get it. I Mm -hmm. get it now. Mm -hmm. And as long as you keep trying and Mm -hmm. don't give up on that kid eventually, and, you know, fingers crossed that they let it sink in and that they decide, you know what? I am worth it. I am enough. We've got to just keep trying. We got to keep trying. That's the best way to wrap it up. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Yes. We'll do. Can we do it again, Alicia? Can we do it? Absolutely. I'm going to bring you back to the podcast. This podcast is just starting out. You're one of my early guests. You know that we're going to crusade together for our kids' mental health. I can just tell looking at you. Yes. We had a phone call. I would love that. I want to crusade with you. You're, You're an amazing person. You're extraordinary. I'm a very emotional person, but I'm not going to cry on my podcast. We need to crusade. We need to crusade. I think you can tell by listening to me that I do have one thing that's pretty good is I'm a big mouth. I am a big mouth and I'm not afraid. And I will go to Congress. I will go anywhere and say anything. But I need my I need my partners because you have credibility. (laughs) Unlike me, I need we're going to get a lawyer. We've got you. We've got me. And we're going to take the rest of us with us. And that's why my nonprofit is has the word village in it because of what you said. I love that. Mm hmm. And when I was in college, there was this green, like I grew up in California, I went to college back east where there was this city with a green in the middle. And that's where they gathered in the green. In Italy, they gather in the piazza, but I I don't want to call my, my nonprofit One Village Piazza. So you and I are on the same page. You're an amazing hero. Will you please tell us again your Instagram handle so everybody can find your book and find you? Yes. So I have two different ones on Instagram. So at Rise with Alicia. So Rise with, and then to spell my name is E-L-Y-S-I-A. I also am at The Hope Hero. And my website is thehopehero.com. And that's where you can find my programs. I have a teen program, a women's course, There will be links to some videos. I would love to put this podcast on there once you have that Mm -hmm. and some different interviews Mm -hmm. that I've done with my publisher. So it will just be a a place for resources for people to reach out to find some affordable mental Mm -hmm. health care Mm -hmm. for themselves and their teens. Alicia, you're my hero, but you're also one of our heroes in the United States. Well, thank you for that support. And I can't wait to be part of this and crusade with you because if we don't take care of their mental health now, then what's the world going to look like in the future? Don't even, we can't even go there because it's not going to happen. We have to fix it. It's terrifying. I want every kid to believe in themselves because they should. Every life matters. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Alicia. I will be in touch with you. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to chatting with you soon.
Thank you so much, Alicia. Okay, bye. Take care.